Hello, basketball fans, and welcome to the Dave and Dia podcast. Starting at center from Portland, the wily veteran, Dave Deckard. And at guard from Los Angeles, the patron saint of rainbows and unicorns, your podcast MVP, Dia Miller. Well, hello, Trailblazers fans, or should we say Phoenix Suns fans, temporarily, perhaps? It's Dave and Dia, Dave Deckard and Dia Miller here with your favorite Trailblazers-based podcast, which may be a little bit of an NBA podcast as we go along through the NBA Finals. Dia, we're recording this on the night of Game 1. Phoenix wins 118-105. How'd you like it? Was it exciting for you? Yeah, you know, it's such a weird feeling to be watching a game and not be quite so invested in one team or the other. I spent most of the game trying to decide which team I was going to root for because after the season we had, I should just sit back and enjoy basketball and not worry about who to root for. But this is just not in me. I can't do that. And so I spent a large part of the game tonight trying to decide which team I was going to root for amidst, you know, the reactions to the dunks and the steals and all the things that were going on. And then I realized if the games are going to be like this the whole way through, I'm not sure that I can handle rooting for one team or another. It might kill me. I'm going to suggest you do something you don't often get to do in Portland and just root for the team that wins. It'll be a good feeling when you're happy at the end of things. It's funny because, you know, I used to be very focused on the Trailblazers. That's what I knew. If a player had played for the Blazers and went on to another team, I knew them. You know, if they were currently playing for the team, I knew them. But outside of that, I really didn't know who players were. I didn't follow much else. And over the last couple years, especially when I started working with Swish Cultures, in fact, the guy that I work with, primarily said to me at one point, DeAndre, you're going to have to stop just following the Blazers and branch out a little bit here. And so I've done that. And what's happened is I found that I really have players that I like on every single team. And the more that I am in this industry, I suppose, uh, the more personal connections I have. For example, Cameron Payne. I shot Cameron Payne when he was in the G League. And, you know, have we should had say you're a photographer for anybody who doesn't know. Yes. <laughs> Shot him with my camera. So I've had interactions with him. You know, we've, we've had conversations and things like that. I had the experience of, of being on the court watching him play. And so I have a little bit of a connection to him. So I like to follow him. But then you have like Brooke Lopez, who I interviewed and had conversations with. And he's on the Bucks. So what I'm finding is I have these kind of ties to different players that I want to see do well. And then you have the guys like Chris Paul, who you just want to see him win a ring after all. I have no ties to him at all. I just want to see him win. And then, but then you also have guys like Drew Holiday, who you just, he's such a good guy and you want to see him win. So I'm over here just bouncing back and forth like the dang ball. It's fun in a way to see just a bunch of good players out there. And frankly, there's a lot of stories to root for in this, Chris Paul probably being the primary one, although he does have a Blazers Edge connection in the famous How Does This Get Us, Chris Paul, uh, which accompanies every move that the Trailblazers have made since they passed on him for Martell Webster and uh, Jarrett Jack. But also, though, I was going to say, you do have a Blazers connection, Pat Connaughton 
plays for the Bucks. He played 28 yeah. minutes tonight. So, you know, if you're Blazer affiliated, if you want a former Blazer to get a ring, that's one of them. I don't know. I find it good. It's fun for me that Milwaukee and Phoenix are in it and that one of them is going to win. If there were a team, an L.A. team in there or uh, even Brooklyn, I would be rooting for whoever that wa- whoever was against them. But really, I'm pretty equally happy no matter who takes this. And I'm terribly happy for the fan bases, for our, our sister sites on SB Nation, Brew Hoop and Bright Side of the Sun, both long-tenured and long-suffering uh, in many ways. And... They will have a chance. One of them will have a chance to lift a trophy, and the other one has been in the NBA Finals, which is an incomparable experience. So I'm delighted with this Finals. I I, I like it. Nothing not to like about it other than the Blazers aren't in it. Right, and I think it's fun, too, to see that there's so many players who have never been to a finals. I read a stat and I don't know, it was later deleted. So maybe it was inaccurate, but stat news and bleacher report posted that only one player out of both teams has ever been to an NBA finals. And so to have that amount of players who are doing this for the first time, you can't help, but enjoy, especially when you don't have a stake in or a horse in the race, a stake in the game. I don't know what the horse, saying a horse is. Stake, who knows? A stake uh, in the barbecue. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but um, when you don't have anything invested, you know, when there's no teams that you can't stand and there's no team that is yours that's playing, it's kind of fun. And it's fun too. You know, Twitter has been such an interesting world of connections and it's been fun to watch my friends, my Twitter friends, that are fans of these teams just living their best lives right now and loving, you know, it's, it's just, it's cool. It's cool to watch other people succeed. Now from the game, you have, of course, the drama around Giannis who hyperextended his knees going into the final or his knees, his knee, I should say, came in and gave it a go, did pretty well, all things considered. But what's interesting is Chris Middleton didn't step back, which I like seeing. And by the way, we talked about this last year, oh, the dream trade. And now you see my part of my problem with these playoffs is all the small forwards that I wanted the Blazers to get, except for Jimmy Butler came out of the shadows of the superstars they were playing with and showed you why the Blazers can't get the Paul George, Chris Middleton, can't touch him now because we cannot have Paul George. Oh, you you would love Paul George. You would love Paul George on this team. No, I you would love Paul George. I would not love Paul George. He would. It would take you ten seconds. I would not. And he would. He would be wonderful. No fit. That's it. He shoved a guy in the back. That was. You're not going to convince me to like this guy. That was Pat Beverly. Oh, you're right. You're right. My brain, guys. Just full disclosure. It's late. My brain is slow. But that's all right. I mean, because right. I don't really want You're Pat right. Beverly, although you would probably love Pat Beverly on this team, too, in a Danny Ainge no, kind of way. He would be no. a great backup for Dame and would play defense. But that said, well. Paul George <laughs> would fit really well, but you can't get him because he excelled as soon as Kawhi went down. He showed who he was. Chris Middleton has been showing who he is when Giannis went down, and he took 26 shots in game one and scored 29 points. And actually, you know, I thought he played fairly well. The, the problem was... The Suns, obviously, they knew that they knew that Milwaukee was going to have a problem. 
They knew that Giannis wasn't going to be the number one option, clearly. And they were able to kind of, you know, compensate for that. Even before the game started, they knew who they had to circle. And the fact that Middleton did it and did well in the face of that kind of attention was fantastic and shows you who he really is. Now, Drew Holiday, on the other hand, did not have the greatest game. He's another guy I really like. You saw what he did to Dame a couple years ago when he was with the Pelicans, but he's a great guy. Uh, It would be wonderful to root for to have a ring. But Milwaukee had too many questions coming in. Now, Phoenix had a couple, but Chris Paul answered them all, right? I mean, what did you think of him, 36 years old or whatever he is right now, and just coming in and... His team needs to seal a finals game, and he does it. I mean, that's the kind of thing that we love about Dame. We love that Dame will, you know, when it comes down to it, Dame will do what Dame does to get the Blazers where they need to be. And I I felt that from Chris Paul tonight. It was like, guys, we're here. We're doing it. We're doing it. All that to say the team played well. It wasn't like it all came down to him. But that was a man on a mission. And it's like, here he is in his first finals. You're right. He's 36 years old. His career is slowly coming to an end. And this is his shot. This is it. It's this or nothing. And I mean, the likelihood of him to come back next year at 37 and get to this point again, it's not great. It's not super likely. So for, for Chris Paul, this is kind of an all or nothing type of deal. And he played like that tonight. And I I love to see that, you know, you just, anytime somebody comes out there and just plays their butt off and wants it and you see that they want it. I like it. I like it. It it makes it fun. People sleep on him because it's been a decade now, but if you go back and look at his new Orleans performances, when he was young, his numbers were absolutely astonishing just like in the realm of if he kept this up for his whole career, we would be saying there's never been a point guard like him. I mean, he he was a deity. Now, he dialed it back. Obviously, injuries took away some of that. Age took away a little bit. And he dialed it back, I think, on, on a lot of teams he was playing with because he ended up playing with a lot of players that he had to fit in with rather than dominating the team. But Don't sleep on the fact that this guy was, once upon a time, an unquestioned, not just superstar, but just absolutely glitterati in the league. Like, there were were players at other positions, like LeBron, that were as good as him. But for point guards, you'd have to look over at him and say, it'd be hard to to pass on him. The other guy who, who was interesting was Devin Booker. And he actually had a little bit of an off night. Well, Jay Crowder, too, because those were two off-mentioned names. Crowder goes 0 for 8. Booker shoots 8 for 21. Now, he had 10 for 10 free throws, but he was only 1 of 8 from the three-point arc. In fact, between them, Booker and Crowder were only 1 of 13 from the three-point arc. Milwaukee outshoots Phoenix from the arc. Uh, Milwaukee hits a higher percentage and attempts more shots, hits more threes than the Suns do, which you think, wow, I mean, that's a really good start. About equaled them in the paint, didn't lose too much on the break. You're going, hey, you know, uh, Milwaukee's doing all right here, but they ended up with a substantial loss just because I think Phoenix, you know, obviously can outmove them, especially with Giannis injured. But also, Phoenix really got a crap ton of foul shots. So, I mean, they gave up a lot of points at the stripe that they uh, they couldn't make up for at the arc, which is not very modern NBA, but a really interesting way to win a finals game one. 
Yeah, it was an interesting game to watch. And it's, you know, it, it's going to be a fun series. I think it wouldn't surprise me if it goes to seven games. And I think we're going to see a lot of really good basketball. I mean, I don't know how many times I looked at that TV and said out loud, man, they are so good at basketball. And, and I think sometimes it, you forget that in the process of getting to this point. But when you get to the finals and you've got the two best teams in the NBA as it stands, playing against each other and fighting because every single game counts and every single point counts and, and they're fighting and they're playing the best basketball they can play. It's incredible to watch. And, and you, you forget, you know, I, I mean, there's this constant debate of people online. I hesitate to say people and not call them names, but I'm not going to do that. But people <laughs> that online, yeah. Um, who, you know, have this whole wall. They're not doing anything all that. Fair. I could do that. I could take them. I could blah, 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 you know, but you take the worst guy in the NBA. Heck, let's just, let's go a step further and say the worst player in the G league, you know, which is a step below the NBA. You take the worst player in the G league and he will school any average Joe that's out there playing pickup ball. You forget how skilled these guys are because they're playing against other guys that are just as skilled. And so the whole thing together just looks like this beautiful effortless dance. But in reality, what they're doing is incredible. I mean, that block by Giannis tonight, it was a thing of absolute beauty and he made it look like he, you know, just jogged a lap and happened to block a ball. Like he just made it look so effortless. And I think sometimes we forget that. And so it's going to be a fun series watching these two teams that really want it, battle it out and play some really good basketball. Yeah. I mean, to your point, I mean, things like summer league or watching practices or whatever, really, when you can get up close, you can really see it. These players are only look normal in comparison to each other. In comparison to everybody else, they are absolutely phenomenal. And it's really, honestly, a lot of it is the speed. It's not just the height of the game. It's the speed of the game. And, and you think these, these players yeah. are taller than most anybody in your daily life. I mean, the point guards, you say, okay, you're, you're a little tall. That would be a tall, normal person in your life. Everybody else would be the tallest person you know, basically. And they're playing so fast. Fast. I mean, a, a regular NBA pass. If it was fired at you in your YMCA league, you'd be like, "Dude, what the hell are you doing?" Ouch! Right? It, it would. It's going to bend your fingers back because your hands are not going to be ready, and you're going to. I guarantee you, you're yeah. going to pop your knuckle out of joint. But just by the amount, and, and you know what? You can tell it too because when they make a normal pass, if there's any arc on that pass at all, it gets stolen. Uh, you can't make and you cannot make a cross court pass in the NBA. Basically, it cannot be done because it's going to get picked and run the other way for a dunk. So, like, yeah, there is no comparison between these guys and anybody else. There, there's just comparison to themselves. And speaking of though, I mean, we would we might as well say it. It is good to watch the best basketball in the league because there was a difference between that, and I think you can see it clearly in these finals. Even though you're going like Milwaukee, Phoenix, who are they? There's a clear difference between that and what we watched most of the season from the Blazers. And I can only think of a couple times in the last decade that the Blazers have played basketball approaching this. One was in 2014, really, before Wes Matthews got injured, 2014-2015, uh, those years. And the other was 2019, before Nurk went down. And I think the Blazers were playing some, uh, some approximation of beautiful 
effective, efficient, and winning basketball in a way that was comparable to what we're seeing here. But really, when you watch it, you you honestly see the lack in the approach that Portland has been taking most of the other years. And it's not that they're not fun. It's not that they're not good, but they're not this. And everybody who's going, well, you know, why just a minor role player away and we could be, you know, I don't think it happens just from a minor acquisition, I don't even think it happens if you get a st- another star. There's something that flips the switch for teams like this, where everything you say, as you, everything they do, as you say, uh, is smooth, looks effortless, but is absolutely pristine, and it's just a joy to watch when you see it. Yeah, I mean, I, I could I could sit here and argue this point with you, uh, but I don't think I will. <laughs> I think you know the the Blazers. I think they had a way of playing to the level of whatever team they were playing. I think we saw flashes of this with them when they played good teams. Not always. Sometimes when they played good teams, they lost and it wasn't pretty. But there were flashes here and there where we would see some really good basketball from them. And so I think it's there. I think it's there. I just think it's consistency. And and we're not at that point as it stands. Yeah, but and um, I, I would argue that every team does that. Every, I mean, these are NBA players, NBA teams. Every team has nights or streaks where they look like this. But can you do it, as you say, consistently? And then add on top of that, can you do it when it counts? And these teams are doing it when it counts, especially Phoenix. I mean, Chris Paul, we just saw it. Chris Paul did it when it counts. The biggest stage of his career, you know, the most at stake possible. And he came out and willed his team to a victory. And his team was set up to help that happen. That's really, really impressive. And then, you know, again, you look at Portland, obviously they haven't made the finals. But more often than not, when it counts they're not doing this. You think of series versus the Lakers or the Pelicans or the whatever. And it's just like, okay, it's it's a bit of sludge in there along with the occasional brilliance. And it's not the same. And I don't think it can be argued that the Blazers are close to this yet. Some of them did. I, I don't think it's that the whole team did. I mean, I I see a lot of similarity in, in the things that we're talking about Chris Paul doing is things that Dame does all the time. You know, so I I think that there are pieces there that are doing what we're seeing these teams doing. It's just not coming together as a whole. And I think that's where you see a difference in other teams. I think there are other teams that don't necessarily have those pieces to shift around. They're they're doing it, you know, every now and then they'll get lucky or they'll have a little streak. I don't think ours is getting lucky. I think we have pieces that have that skill set and that ability to play this kind of basketball it's just not a complete puzzle yet. We say yet, but you know what? Honestly, that's the other referendum on this. And I don't mean it to be a downer. I'm just, I think watching this scenario of Phoenix and Milwaukee play in the finals, this was Portland's time. This was what Portland was supposed yeah, to but, do. But they two were, years ago, two years ago, the Suns were the worst team in the league. And here they are now in the finals. So it, it can turn around very quickly if we do the right things. That's the trick, though. Well, I mean, yes, asterisks, they've been trying to do the right thing since 2016. And well, still I can tell you what needs to change. Still hasn't managed it. Well, I mean, yeah, we all can. But uh, <laughs> we can. Maybe not everyone. Apparently not, not all of us because it yeah. hasn't happened yet. So someone right. still isn't getting the memo. We're waiting for Blazer's Edge Christmas. Anyway, um, really, it's... Uh, it's hard to miss the impression that the Blazers have missed their off-ramp, that they were driving toward this all the time. Wait out the Warriors, right? 
ascend after that dynasty starts to crumble because you no way you're going to beat Kevin Durant. You've got your guards coming right into their prime, not coming to. They are fat in their prime. You have the team around them. You're ready to go. So when that door opens, you go through it. And the Blazers were like waiting with their ticket to, to get through that doorway. And all of a sudden, here comes Phoenix. And well, here comes Denver from behind them and, you know, a couple other teams and just elbowed them out of the way. And now they're going, hey, that was this is what we've been building before. And the other teams are going, no, you, you can't have it. And I think that's part of the frustration. If there's going to be frustration on Damian Lillard's part, that I think that more than anything that happens right now, people are always, people seem to be going, hey, if we make the move right now, it'll be great again. Well, it may be if that's exactly the right move, but I don't think that's all of the frustration. I think that move had better be really, really right because the backdrop now is what have we been doing for the last six years? We've been building toward this and we missed it. What what were we doing there? What have I spent the last six years doing? This not only better turn around, it better turn around quick because I'm not going to spend any more years doing this when it's shown that it didn't work. Some things need to change. I don't think that's a secret. I think, you know, well, it's not a secret to us. It's apparently a secret to some certain people who actually have a say. There have been reports that that they don't have any plans to change the roster, that the major change was going to be the coach, and that was that. Um, I hope that's not true. And I say this, you all, anyone who's listened to us for five minutes knows that I want to keep everybody. I really, truly am attached to every single player on this roster. I love this team. I, I love the people on the team. That being said... I'm ready to see some change. I want to be a contender. I want to see us go for it. And changing up the coach and not making any other changes, that's not going to happen. That's not enough. And so I really hope that these rumors we're hearing that they have no intention to make changes to the roster are false. Um, Yeah, that came since we last talked about things like this from Nurkic out of Serbia, right? I grain of salt that a little bit. I I believe that's what you would tell players anyway, especially a major player. And I'm not sure that they intend to move Nurkic, honestly. Although he is on the last year of his contract and he's making 12 million, which could go either way. I mean, either he could be playing for his next contract and have a phenomenal year. You generally used to want guys on the last year of their contract because they play really well. Or he could go the other way and we with this could just spiral downward. So, I mean, the big question that Portland has to answer, and unfortunately, I'm not sure they have the data to do it, is do they want to keep Nurkic long-term? And a lot of that's going to depend on whether they can keep Dame long-term. And if that doesn't happen, then I'm not sure Nurk is enough to lift them up, and I'm not sure they want to invest what they need to invest in order to keep him there in the center position. So, once again, it's like a timing issue for Portland, right? It's not that they don't have good players. It's that Every decision they have to make seems like it's somewhat in the dark because they either need to have made it a year ago or two years ago, or they need a couple other years, more years to figure it out. And they don't have either. And they keep taking swings half in the dark and they're not quite connecting. So we have the draft coming up and we will not be a part of that as far as any new players for us. Our picks are gone. We've used them in trades and and they are no longer ours. So that poses a new question that, you know, you suggested we chat about is, is should we attempt to to get in the draft or do we leave it as it is and, and just, you know, work with what's in front of us? 
I tend to say, and then this may be an unpopular opinion, but I think especially this year, the draft is is risky as it stands. I think, you know, we're coming off of COVID still where there's not as much information. There's not as much scouting that's been done. There's not as much, you know, we haven't seen some of these guys as much as we normally would. And so I don't think there's quite as much information. That being said, like what we'd have to make moves in order to get draft picks. And I don't know if that's worth it. What moves are you talking about making? I mean, I guess if you could take someone like CJ or someone like Nurk, who they maybe will move anyway and somehow package in with that a draft pick and whatever player. But I don't know that I don't know that I see that happening. I I don't know. It's not black and white. It's not, yes, we should try to get in the draft. No, we shouldn't try to get in the draft because you just don't know what's at stake and if it's worth that. I don't know. What do you think, Dave? Well, first of all, we should note that Steve DeWald and company are starting a new podcast. Actually, have already started it uh, this week. You can find that on Blazer's Edge every Tuesday. And if you want the best draft information, that's going to be where you want to go. Pick up that podcast. And we're glad to have that be part of the Blazer's Edge podcast family. But also, I think you're correct, essentially, that if the Blazers get into this draft, it will be incidentally as part of a bigger trade. Now, it depends on the talent gap between the player they're taking back and the player they're giving up, how high that pick will be, obviously. So I could actually see them getting a serviceable player in the starting lineup, you know, some small forward that's decent, but not a star, taking on a bad contract, and then getting a fairly high draft pick for CJ. The problem is, who has a high draft pick that wants CJ? But I I could see that happening. That just stresses me out. I just think that's stupid. I don't think that's the move to make. I think... You, you know, we're talking about all this stuff with like, we need to put someone else. We need to surround Dame with, with key players that can do that. That's, that's not a rookie. The, the likelihood of bringing in a draft pick and having them fit in and be able to handle themselves the way that we would need them to, to play next to Dame, the way that someone like CJ Ernert does, the likelihood of that is not good. It is not even close to good and and frankly grading away someone who's a key player for someone who's not as good plus a draft pick what you're doing essentially there is building your future which is great but we in my opinion with dame at the point that he's at if we don't want him to walk next year the future is not what we need to be focusing on right now we don't need to be focusing on pulling in young draft picks we need to be focusing on right now, in my opinion. So you have top 10. You have potential interest. I'm, I'm skipping over most of them because uh, I don't think... See, I mean, if Cleveland wanted to bring home the hometown boy, but uh, I, I don't think that happens. So I could see the Raptors having interest and they have the fourth pick. The Thunder, probably not. Uh, Golden State, though. I mean, if Clay Thompson isn't coming back or isn't coming back healthy, I could see them having interest. Sacramento always does wacky things, and the Pelicans might not be averse. So you have maybe four, seven, nine, and ten in play there, uh, with a player coming back, obviously, to make salaries match, or two players or three players. I don't see that as an impossibility. I, you're right, it may not be the best, it might not be the ideal trade, but the, if you go with the scenario of they're going to trade CJ anyway because they really want Norman Powell to stay, they don't see CJ and Dame working long term, and they can't afford to pay all of them, 
that's not a horrible return there. It also, you can camouflage a little bit. If you get a couple of veterans back, you can camouflage with Powell and those veterans the fact that you're starting a sneaky rebuild and have the best of both worlds going on by getting a high draft pick. That said, I think it's more likely that a lower draft pick comes in return. You're in the 20s. You're taking another Nasir Little-like chance on somebody. So I, I don't think you'll have to worry. I don't think that that's that they're going to trade CJ for a major draft pick. But, you know, maybe it'll happen. Anyway, I don't see them getting in the draft intentionally unless it's that kind of move that I just talked about, top 10 pick and and somebody else. I see anything else being just, this is a byproduct and we'll take the pick as as compensation for giving away a little more talent than we're taking back. I hate this time of year. It's so stressful. You got to move them though. You got to move them. I'm sorry. I've just, you got, you can't, you can't come back with CJ unless Norman leaves. Unless Norman Powell leaves, then you've got to come back with CJ. But honestly, I don't know what you do at that point. This is the problem. I don't know what the Blazers do if Norman Powell leaves because they're stuck then. You can't move. It's the same old classic problem of moving CJ and having it be totally lateral. With the way that contracts work, regardless of who you like better or who who you think is a better pick between CJ and Norman, because of how contracts work, it's smarter to keep Norman and move CJ. Because if Norm walks, we don't. What do we get? I mean, that we, it's, we're not getting much for that. If, anything if, for that, so, right? If yeah. if he stays and we move CJ, we can we can get something for with him. So this is a lot less about who you like better or who you think is a better fit, in my opinion, as it is business wise. If we let Norman walk and we keep CJ, we get nothing for that. Whereas if we keep Norman and we move CJ, then, you know, that's something we can actually work with. So the draft pick also that we traded away was for Robert Covington. So, you Mm -hmm. know, there's some balance there. I like everything Covington has done for the Blazers. I don't think that was a misspent pick. And I think Covington is more valuable for them than the 20-whatever pick they would have had. I mean, Robert Covington, a lot of people are putting him in speculative trades with CJ. Like if, uh, if you traded for Ben Simmons, which, by the way, they probably should do. If Ben Simmons would come up for CJ and Robert Covington, I think the Blazers have got to do that. It also puts in laser focus, what's at stake here? Again, what's the problem? I mean, you, you've got to keep Covington because you just spend a pick for him. And if you trade him, you better justify that pick that you gave away. Otherwise, I mean, if, he, if you're just kind of dumping him for not much uh, or he walks next year, uh, which he's in the last year of his contract, and he just walks away as a free agent next year, and you didn't win with him, then you spent a pick for essentially making yourself feel good for two years. And that's not a wise way to spend a pick. So look what's it, look what the Blazers' future is hanging on. That's what I'm trying to, to, to parse out here. It's whether Yusuf Nurkic is going to be happy, and even if they want to re-sign him. It's whether Damian Lillard is going to demand a trade. It's whether Norman Powell will stay. It's whether you can make use of Robert Covington. That's a lot. I mean, we're giving Derek Jones Jr. a pass because the trade there wasn't bad, okay? That was, they didn't really lose much for him. But all those other ones, they, they gave up significant assets or opportunities for trades in order to keep this team going. 
And now it hinges on four things that either they don't know or are completely not in their control. That's not a great position to be in. I mean, you don't want to be at the mercy of what Norman Powell wants to do. And whether he loves the the, the hoagies in Houston or whatever, you know, you're just, oh, great. A sandwich just cost us the future of our team. But you, you literally could do nothing if that's the way it is for him. It's frustrating. And it's doubly frustrating because... You have like your two players under long contract that you most wanted, and it's not making a difference either on the court or in this variability scheme. You have two players signed up that you said were going to do it, and you're beholden to all this other stuff that isn't about those two players, or at least isn't about their play on the court. That's tough. I feel like I've, I've mentioned more than one time how I feel about Robert Covington. But Robert Covington is a big fat no trade for me. The Robert Covington is someone you hold on to if at all possible. Right now, I would put him up there number two as far as hold on to. You know, obviously not getting rid of Dame. Don't get rid of Robert Covington. He would be the next one that I would say save at all costs. I think he's been invaluable for us. I think he's been someone that filled holes that we needed to fill. I think he's been crucial to what we've done. And I think of all the people that we're looking at moving, he is one that we should not be moving if we can manage to hold on to him and and not have to use him for a trade. I think he's a really important piece for this team. And honestly, just from a purely fan standpoint, he's become one of my favorite trailblazers of all time. Very quickly. I am a huge Robert Covington fan. I have loved watching his game. I have loved watching the way he's developed and fit into this team. I would go to bat for that man. I do not want him going anywhere. You know, I, I mean, I, I would have a hard time even with the trade you're talking about for, for Ben Simmons. Also, just on a side note, can you imagine having a Simmons and a Simons on it? I mean, I, I, I have to pause every time I say either one of their names and double check that I'm saying it correct. Uh, that could get confusing. One M or two. Well, I mean, interesting. Side note, too. Now, people nationally, it hasn't hit Portland because Simmons doesn't play for Portland. But Simmons skipped the Olympics to work on his game. But he's taken the first couple weeks after the season's over to go hang with his girlfriend, and they've been seen in public places and whatever. And people are bagging on him and his work ethic and whatever. Look, I, I, I'm not going to argue that his work ethic through the first X number of years of his career has been what it should be, okay? Uh, I, can't, I don't feel qualified to make that argument. But how do you feel about this? Like, I tend to think that even if you're not at the tip top of your potential, that you get to take some time off and you get to go have the relationships you want and travel and your mental and emotional health is as important to your basketball life in some ways as your physical health health or your skill set i mean people are saying oh, i don't want ben simmons he doesn't work the fact that he's smooching his girlfriend and paparazzi caught him at a tennis match doing it doesn't mean that he's not an nba player or he's a human being i don't know how do you feel about that yeah, I mean, these conversations happened with Dame. I don't know if you remember that, but there were some conversations that happened with Dame where people are like, well, if he'd stop rapping, he'd be a better basketball player. And it's like, you know, there's a couple things to say here. First of all, and we've said this a million times on this podcast, the players are people before they're players. They're not just here for our entertainment and that's all. Like these are these are human beings. They're people um, who have feelings, who have lives outside of basketball as they should. It's important 
for these guys to spend time with the people that they love, to develop relationships, to work on their on their relationships with, you know, their partners. Um, I think it's important for them to have, have hobbies and side hustles. I hate to say side hustles because most of these guys are doing side hustles that are legit careers for most people. You know, those things are important because the, the bottom line is the lifespan of NBA players is not long for most. For most of these guys, they're going to spend a few years playing in the NBA and then they're going to be done. And then their lives continue. And, and those are lives that, that need to have time and energy put into them. If they ignore their relationships and they ignore any other kind of passion or hobbies or anything that they have, and all they do is eat, sleep, dream, think basketball, then when their careers are over, they're going to be in a tough spot. They're not going to have, what do, what do you do then when everything that's been your entire identity is now gone? Who are you and what do you do? And I don't want that for them. I want them to come out of the NBA and, and have strong, solid relationships with the people in their lives, with the people they love, with their families. I want them to have, you know, other things that they're interested in. I want them to be able to do something else as a career if they choose to continue working. I, I think those are important things. Like you said, mental health is an important thing. And I think that's a conversation that's starting to happen more in this industry, but it needs to. You know, I, I think it's real easy for those of us who live pretty, I hesitate to use the word normal or typical, but that's all I can think of. For those of us who live more typical lives than that of an NBA player, I think it's really easy to look at this and say, well, they get paid millions of dollars to do this. They should focus all their time on this and, and you know, whatever else. But I, I think that that's not fair. That's not what they're, they're not paid to give their entire lives. They're, you know, they, they can choose to do what they want. He could have chosen not to go to the Olympic team just because he didn't want to. He didn't have to give the reason that he wanted to work on his game. He could just say, nope, I, I want to hang out with my girlfriend. That's a legit reason. Not everybody has goals of going to the Olympics, and that's okay. And I think that these conversations surrounding their well-being and surrounding their mental health, that stuff needs to be talked about. And those conversations need to be had a little bit more. And I think it's important for, for the media, for the fans, for, for those of us who are not the players to remember that they're people first. I think that's always a crucial thing to remember. Yeah, and it's just, it's not just that the conversation is being had, but how ubiquitous and casual it is. Like, just because these guys exist, it's okay to talk about them in any way that we want to. And I don't, I don't buy that. I don't, I don't buy that at all. I'm happy that CJ McCollum and Carmelo Anthony love wine and are, you know, yeah. totally into that. I'm happy that Damian Lillard raps. I'm happy that Ben Simmons has a girlfriend and I hope I wish them all the success in all the stuff. And by the way, you know what? Dang, that's a good use. If you're going to make that many millions, do something you love. Yeah, well, although, yeah, don't apply that to Simmons. Uh, the, the, the Carmelo Anthony and, uh, you know, the, the wine, the rap, the, the piano playing that Robin Lopez used to do, or comic books. Uh, the fact that the Lopez brothers live in a house close to Disney World, walk to it, and uh, yeah. God bless you. That's exactly what you should yeah. be doing. Do you know how many well, athletes and, and in days of old just 
Absolutely. I mean, you hear horror stories of the 80s in the NBA, but certainly in other entertainment venues of people just snorting away yeah. their entire salaries. Rap, <laughs> rap all you want. Go to go see Mickey. Right. I, I love it. So, and the fact that we bag on people for doing this to me is just stupid. So I'll personalize this a little bit. I do a lot of different things photography wise. And, and one of my main gigs is working for Josh Childress, who is an ex NBA player. He's drafted by the, the Hawks. He played with them for a while. And then he went overseas by choice, um, left a contract with the Nets and, and went overseas and played several years overseas. Um, he's recently retired from playing and he now owns a company called Landspire. Um, and they are a, a real estate investment developing company. And it's been really interesting for me to watch the way that he works and, and business and things like that. And the way that he is not only taking what he learned from, you know, he he says he, he watched the people around him that did well and, and this is what they were doing. So this is kind of where he went, but he's doing things to give back. You know, he's he's developing in a way that's not displacing people. He's making an effort to better the community that he came from because he's in a position now where he can do that. And so for me, you know, I, I see the way that he and his company work and the way that they give back and they make a difference and they make this a better place to be. And I think, you know, there are a lot of guys that could come out of the NBA and turn around and use what they've earned and use what they've learned and use their connections and their knowledge and whatever else to do things like that. And I think that there are guys who do. Do we criticize those guys for coming out and, and making something else of their life and doing something? We sh absolutely should not. There are guys who come out and do these things that are great things. And I, I love to see that. I love to see people come out and find meaning in something else and find passion in something else and continue their lives doing something else. If your entire identity is wrapped up in being a basketball player, then you're not going to come out and be okay because your identity is going to disappear when you leave the league. And I think that that's a, a difficult thing. And, and so, you know, when they can do things that are good, and do things that give back. That's huge. And a lot of people do. And I don't think it gets talked about enough. We have to be careful how we talk about people who are doing positive things. We don't own players. <laughs> we do, I'm sorry. No, do, no, absolutely not. We, we are not entitled to anything other than they go out and play basketball to the best of their ability as human beings. And to the best of their ability includes foibles and bad days and good days and time off because nobody's perfect all the dang time. They get to be human beings. And I think that that, yeah, absolutely frustrates me. So in any case, I, I would take Ben Simmons despite that. Those rumors have no bearing. It's on a silly thing. I, I don't know why people are even talking about it. it, it this yeah. should not be, this should be a non-issue. There are not a lot of super hot trade rumors heating up yet there will be as the summer goes along i mean i think people are just sort of wishful thinking pie in the sky you know and like i said at the outset of the podcast i think most of the targets that are pie in the sky have now proven themselves even more untouchable than they were before because they've done pretty well uh in the postseason you know people always ask well who are you going to trade or who are they going to trade cj for and this is what's so hard is that there's not a really good answer to that that's going to make everybody happy. Uh, it's going to look like something went strange unless there's a miracle. 
signing in there somewhere. So yeah, I mean, at this point, we're going to need to wait and we're going to need to evaluate as they come up. But I got to tell you, my bar for trading CJ at the end of the day is much lower than it's ever been. Uh, I would accept a, a lot more deals for him than I think I would have four years ago, for sure. Even more than I would have accepted two years ago. And I would have accepted quite a few two years ago. So this will be an interesting summer in that way. You know, the Olympic team is now in Vegas. They are doing their their training before heading over to Tokyo for the Olympics. Dame is part of that, which as a Blazer fan is is pretty exciting to see. If Dame really does decide to to finish his career in Portland and they never put the pieces beside him to win a ring, I, I hope he wins a gold medal. You know, that that in and of itself is a huge accomplishment. And I also am really excited about the Olympics because for once... I feel like everyone on Twitter is going to be cheering for the same team and that's going to be fun. So there's, you know, there's a cool thing when, when you're a fan of basketball to watch these guys come together and play to get, you know, you don't really get to see, even in the all-star game, they're pitted against each other. So to really get to see, you know, kind of the best of the best and, and a lot of really cool superstar players that are going to be on one team competing against the best teams, the best players in the world. And, you know, there are guys from the NBA and, and women from the WNBA that are also going and playing on other countries' teams because they're from those countries. So it's it's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And um, I think, you know, for basketball fans, this is, this is a fun part of the Olympics. So, yeah. yeah. But, you know, this is how backwards we are. You yell at Ben Simmons for skipping the Olympics and kissing his girlfriend uh, in public, where what's the basketball risk? I mean, I've, by the way, I'm happy that Dame's going. I think we said that before. Absolutely yeah. 100% supportive. But it's been uh, a compacted season anyway. Uh, injuries all over the place. You know it would be probably better for all your heroes basketball-wise to not go. You realize this, right? right? But everybody's going, damn, he's really dedicated or whatever. By the way, it'd be fine if he didn't go. I don't mind, I don't mind either way. But if you're going to get mad at something, you should probably get mad at something like that. That's much more likely to impact your basketball future than whether you spent two weeks uh, extra working on your game when in an off-season that's not going to end until October, you know? And right. it's still July. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I just point that out because people are screwy but uh, i look forward to watching it i look forward to watching him he's been in and out of the trial process multiple times i think he never quite had the inside track and never quite went all the way uh, to see how far he could go this year the door opened he stepped right through it said me first and a lot of other players followed him i think that's appropriate for dame's personality and his status right now uh, in the nba and i think it's a perfect storm where it's going to be good yeah, I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch, you know, especially I think anytime you have a player that you enjoy watching on a team like that, it's even more fun. I agree. I mean, you know, the, the injuries, especially with the condensed season and all the injuries we've seen, that makes me a little nervous for them going overseas and playing in the Olympics. But, it, you know, again, this is a once in a lifetime, maybe be twice in a lifetime opportunity for these guys um, to get to play and, and represent their country. And I think that that's a really cool thing. So I, it doesn't surprise me at all that they would jump at the chance to do that. And, you know, we, we just have to hope just like we do every season with the NBA, you hope that nobody that's sadly, unfortunately part of the game is, is injuries happen, but 
hopefully we can get through and, and not have any serious injuries and everybody can stay healthy. Well, and, and Dame Lillard being part of the uh, opening or closing ceremonies, you know, like getting to March, because usually the NBA athletes, as I recall in the past, have done one or the other. I don't remember if they if all of them have done both. But that sense to be connected to other athletes and to be part of the global story yeah. and of course improve his global brand and all that. That's great. But uh, to, to be the thing in the moment in this way is good because again, this right. is not something that he's been able to do in his actual NBA career that he's never been the thing in the moment, except for very isolated shots in games. Sure, you know, Houston series winner and Oklahoma City series winner and 50-point game in the playoffs, got it. But those moments go quickly. And even then, they were among many moments, even though they were clearly the brightest, there were a lot of games going on. And that process wasn't over. He wasn't at the pinnacle. Here he will be, and here the spotlight will be bright and he'll finally have a chance to shine in it as a singular talent among the world's best talents. I like that for him. That's satisfying, I think, as part of his narrative. So go for it. I, I hope they get gold and I hope that he has a wonderful time. Yeah, agreed. All righty. Well, we will be back again next week. Uh, we might have some more juicy things to uh, chew on. Other than if we don't, Dia, I'm going to make up some trades for you. And then let's see if you give them <laughs> thumbs up or thumbs down. Since uh, you hate the Ben Simmons, you really wouldn't do um, CJ and Covington for Ben Simmons. I don't think so. I, I, I This is where, you know, I, I've tried. I've tried to break out of my mold and branch out of my bubble here. Of, of not wanting to ever let players go. But, you know, old habits die hard, and I just don't think I can do it. Also, we're going to have a huge keep or yeet coming up uh, after this podcast publishes. We won't uh, we won't share what th what that one's going to be, but we will probably have fierce debate on that next week. So maybe the most do I know one. who it is? Yes, you're you're already supposed to have started writing it, but we'll see. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I'll remind you off off <laughs> mic here, but that'll be fun. I'm sure we'll get some response on that and and whatever else comes up. Uh, keep with us throughout the off season as the draft approaches. Uh, our podcasts will be tracking that. Obviously, we will be hot and heavy into free agency and all that other stuff. And uh, we hope you will spend the summer with us. For Dave, for Dia Miller, I'm Dave Deckard. We will see you again soon. A hater sees an opening down the lane, moves towards the hoop, but then Dia comes out of nowhere to swap the shot attempt away, saying, "Get that weak stuff out of here." Dave scoops up the loose ball. Now it's a fast break the other way with Dia. She's flying down the court. Dave comes here an alley -oop. She jams it. Boom, shakalaka. The crowd is on its feet saluting Dia. I tell you, if she isn't the rookie of the year, they really ought to just stop giving the award. What a talent. <laughs>